So this week, uh, I'm going to be teaching in Romans 15. Pastor Dave is still in Israel. He should be here next Sunday. Keep praying for him. I think his family coming back either tonight or tomorrow, so pray for them too. And um, are you guys ready for the word of the Lord? Yes. All right, let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord. You are so good to us, and <clears throat> we, we, Lord, just want to have our full attention in your word, Lord. This is what you want to communicate to us, and we pray that you can prepare our hearts, our mind, our understanding, so we can hear your voice, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be um, open, to hear whatever it is that you have for us, Lord, today. We are thankful to have your word with us and uh, to have you as our Father, as our King, as our God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay. So we have, we're starting as, again Roman, Romans 15, and we are going to go on till verse 13 today. So we are not going to cover the whole chapter. I'm not that good. So, but we're going to go to chapter 13. And uh, pretty much what's, what we're starting here in chapter 15 is that Paul is starting to land the plane in some way with the whole book of Romans. Uh, we have only one more chapter after this one. Uh, so we're going to start seeing how he starts wrapping up the whole idea of unity in the church. We learned last week that uh, they have an issue. No, last week. Two weeks ago with, um, uh, I forgot your name now. Um, Keith, thank you, Keith. <laughs> Keith was teaching in chapter 14, and he was helping us to go through that chapter when the Romans were having issues between some people thought it was okay to eat certain food, and, some, and other people didn't think so, and also some issues with the feast and how they deal with the differences uh, of opinions, the differences of, about this topic. So today we're going to find out um, we're going to get some principles how to deal with differences uh, between the people in the church. And um, so you're going to find and you're going to hear some words like un uh, union, one, um, unity, uh, joined. You're going to hear all those words very often in the scripture and during this sermon. So let's start with the word of the Lord, verse 1 through 3, chapter 15. He who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. <clears throat> we're going to stop right there. So now we're starting with something that is called, Paul calling an obligation. It's not a suggestion. It's not something like if you want to do it, that's fine. If you don't want to do it, that's fine too. No, you say this is an obligation. It's something that we must do, something that we have to do. And what is that? That the strong bear with the failings of the weak. So let me explain a little bit first about what, what it means, the failings of the weak, and then we're going to go a little back and understand who are the strong people. The failings, it, it means uh, when we have doubts or we have um, a lack of conviction about certain things. So if we go back to chapter 14, you remember that they were having issues about what kind of food they can eat or what kind of food they should keep, right? They were having conflict. They were having doubts and lack of conviction. When other people, they were like, no, I already have this figured out. I have the conviction that I don't have to do this. Or I have the conviction that I have to do this. So when it's talking about the, the failings of the weak, it's talking about that. That people, the people that they, haven't, they don't have the conviction about a certain topic or a certain thing. 
And it's saying that the, 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 the we should or the strong should bear with the failings of the weak. And the idea of bearing with that, it means to support them, to carry them, to lift them up. Right? It's not just like, oh, okay, I'll deal with you. No. I'm going to walk with you with this. I'm going to be your, your neighbor. I'm going to be your brother. I'm going to be your sister. We're going to go through this together. I'm going to help you. I'm going to lift you up. That's the idea here. Now, the question for me always, oh, not always, but when I read this, who are the strongs? Who are the strong? Am I strong? Is my wife the strong one? And certain, you know, I don't know. Who is the strong? I want to find out who is the strong. And um, so I want to take you to the life of Paul. Because if you realize here, he includes himself as part of the strong ones. He say, we, who are strong, he's including himself in the strong ones. And so I started thinking about how, how I find out if I'm a strong. Or how is that Paul can realize that he's a strong believer, a strong and mature Christian. Well, I'm going to show you something here. And we're going to find out what, what means to be strong or who is the strong one. We have Paul writing the Galatians. And, you, and please forgive me if I misspell anything here because apparently I did in one of the things. In year 49, after Christ, he writes to the Galatians. And he called himself apostle to the Gentile as spirit was to the Jews. Then seven years later, he writes to the Corinthians. And he said that now he's just not an apostle. He's the least of the apostles. Unworthy to be called an apostle. Then Paul in year 61, he writes he write to the Ephesians. And now he doesn't even call himself an apostle. He just called the very least of all the saints. And then year 65, years later, he writes to the Timothy. And he called himself the worst within all sinners. Do you see a pattern here about Paul? This strong man, the one that he just called strong, do you see a pattern here? The, the stronger he called himself strong, but what happens is he's, he's becoming less and less. And uh, it's because when you're strong, uh, let me write it here so I don't mess it up. The stronger we are has to do with the smallest we become. Because it's there when we see others as more than us, and we are moved to please our neighbors and serve them in love and patience. Because when we think that we're strong and we understand it like the worldly way or like the human way, it means that if I'm strong, I can tell you what to do because I already figured it out. So you're going to do what I said. Because you're the weak, I'm the strong. That's the way that we will learn it in the world. But how he figure out that he's strong if he's the worst of all sinners? That doesn't make sense with, you know, what we get from the world. Because we always know that our Lord, he, he just has a different way to see things. So if we are going to be strong, it had to, oh, we will become stronger as, as long as we keep walking with the Lord. And as we keep walking with the Lord, the Lord is going to really show us who we really are in him. Right? And that's when we can actually see my brother and my sister now either as equal or as, as more than us. So it will be easy to please them and to bear with them. Um, I skip a whole piece here. So those that are strong, now we can say that those are the ones that can bear with the weak. Because it cannot be the other way around, right? And so sometimes we'll say, well, what I had to deal with this brother or this sister that is, you know, is, is a pain in my back. I, oh, pain in my neck, I think that you guys say. Pain in my neck. How I, why I had to deal? Why I had to give up my right when I know that I'm correct? Well, that's why. Because you are the strong one. 
Because I'm the strong one. That's why I can do it. I cannot expect my brother and my sister are weak to bear with me. I'm the one that is called to do this. And it's an obligation to do so. And that's why we should do it. But it's not just please our brother and our sister just blindly. Right? There is something in there. Verse... uh, Verse 2, let, us, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. It's not just I'm going to just please them blindly or whatever they ask me. They want money. Yeah, here's money. Hey, you know, I read something here in the newspaper. What do you think? No, I think that you're right. No, it's not blindly. It's you're going to do something for a brother or sister. We're going to bear with them. We're going to please them when we know that it's good for them. It's not just anything. Right? It's not a matter of being a people pleaser. That's a word that a concept that I learned this week. I was asking Holly, how do you call somebody that, yeah, people pleaser? Okay, Paul wasn't a people pleaser. Go with me to Galatians 1. Galatians 1, verse 10. It says, For I am now, for I am now seeking the approval of men or of God, or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is Paul talking. He wasn't a man pleaser. He was trying to please the Lord. So this had nothing to do with just say yes to everything. It had to do with say yes when you know that giving your own desire, it will build up your brother and it will be good for them. You can deny yourself. You can put your, your desires on the side for the good of your brother and sister. And then Paul take us to see our example, all beautiful or beautiful example that is Christ. And I was trying to figure out how to do this, so I was trying to write stuff, and then Philippians 2 came up. And I, I think that Philippians 2 just nailed it. So we're just going to read that. And instead of, you know, you listening for me, we just read the word of the Lord. Philippians 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, the word united right there, if any comfort from his love, if any common share in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, not being in very, who, being in a very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, Christ, God itself, who was God. Do you believe that Christ was God? Amen. Amen. God itself, whole and complete, this being that doesn't need any outsource to self-exist because he is God, he is everything. This God gives himself and empty himself and he become less for the good of me and of you. And sometimes we cannot do that with brothers and sisters. That's, you know, that was the thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about this. My Lord, who was God, amazing, full of majesty and glory, did this for me. He emptied himself. He become nothing for my good and my edification. And sometimes it's hard for me 
to just be quiet in an argument and a difference with my brother just because, you know, I want to win this argument. We do this. See, you know, what happens is that every time that we put the cross and we see our Lord in there, pierced for our sins and our transgression and whole humility, bleeding for you and for me, we should never, never be able to say, I cannot do this. I cannot bear with my brother because our Lord did it for us. We should always be able to, to do this for the power of Christ. The cross reminds us that someone did something much bigger than what we ever could do for our brothers and our sisters. Every, every time we will do something, something for my brother and my sister, it will never reach the level of what our Lord did for you and for me. It will never. So we should always be able to do that for our brother and our sister, to not please ourselves, but to please our brother, if it is, for their good and their edification. Verse 4 through 7. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we may have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And so Paul now, you know, take us to the scripture and say, hey, put attention to that scripture that you have in the old days. In those times, they have only the Old Testament. Now we have the whole word of the Lord, Old Testament, New Testament. We have everything. That's beautiful that we're able to keep this. And by the way, if you were, you were not here in the morning, I encourage you to go and listen to the sermon of Pastor Rod in the morning. It was amazing. It was a great message about the Word of God based on 1 Peter. So go to YouTube, find it. Amazing message. The importance of taking his word serious. This is amazing because the things that we need in order to deal with each other, we will find it in the Word of God. So I don't know how to deal with this brother. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling. This is really like, uh, well, go to the word of the Lord. That's where you can find patience and encouragement. That's where you can find endurance and encouragement. Other, other versions say patience and consolation. That's where we can find what we need to deal with each other. Because we are going to have differences. We are different people. We're always going to encounter those issues. And then say that we may have hope. Hoping what? What what kind of hope? Hoping what? We're hope that today's rough moment that we're having, or this difference that we're having, is gonna pass. It's not gonna last if we do what the word said. Right? Hope that we follow the instruction of the Lord, we will be okay. Hope also that this difference that we have every once and then, someday they're gonna pass because all this is gonna pass. Isn't that great to know that the hope that we have in our Lord is, is, you know, is there and is ready for us? And all these issues that sometimes we have, they're going to be gone. We're going to be a whole united church. That's amazing to me. So whatever, you, can, you know, we should be like, yeah, sure, win this argument. I, I just want to be with you. I want to love you. I want to have, you know, I want to enjoy this life with you today. Why we put so much effort to win an, incur- you know, an argument sometimes? I know why I do it. It's my ego. It's my selfishness. You know, I want to feel respected. That's why. That's why I do it. I don't know why you do it, but I'm pretty sure it's somewhere around the same reason. We have those kind of issues. 
And thankfully, we have the God of patience, or we have the God of encouragement. We have the God of endurance. I love how the Lord said, you're going to need this, or this is what you should look for, encouragement, patience, endurance. And then the next verse say, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you this. So it's not the Lord saying, yes, this is what you need, but you also have the God of endurance and encouragement that could give you all this. I love it. And they say the goal is living such harmony that together, united in one voice, we can glorify the Lord. And this just took me to my favorite aspect of life, which is music. When I heard the word harmony in one voice, I was like, yeah, I like this. I'm going to get deep in this because this is what I like. And it's a concept that I use every day with music. You know what the word harmony means? It means uh, concord, concord. Agreement, join. That's what the word harmony means, to be in agreement, to be joined together. So when you hear, uh, you know, the whole band here, you have different instruments, different voices, but they're in agreement. We're going to play in the key of A, and we're going to go through this road. Okay, it doesn't matter what instrument you have. All different, all different people, but we have an agreement. This is how the music is going to go. So you from the other side, and even themselves, they can hear one thing together in harmony, going through it. This is cool. Think about a choir as well. You have, I don't know, 50, 60 people singing, or 30, it doesn't matter. And then you have three or four or five lines different singing together. Have you heard a, a, a choir that will make you cry sometimes? Or a philharmonic that you will just put and put play? I was sharing with the youth group, uh, the youth team, that Chopin always does it for me. There's some songs that it was just, it was make me, it would make me cry. This is so beautiful to hear everything in harmony going together. And that's what the Lord is saying. To live in such a harmony that together, united, in one voice, we can glorify God. Despite our differences, just find an agreement. And what is that agreement? It's our Lord Jesus. That's where we can come together. We all love the Lord. So, okay, let's talk about these differences. But at the end of the day, this is what... Put us together. This is the glue that we have. Oh, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Verse 8 through 12. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the people exalt him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arise to rule the Gentiles in him will the Gentiles hope. This is a key, what happened here in the first verse of 8. That Christ became a servant. This word servant and the idea of service is key to keep the unity. And this is what we all struggle with, with, to serve others. It's easy to serve the people that we like, but it's so hard to serve the people that we have difference with sometimes, right? But again, we go back to our Lord, the glue, you know, the one that unites us. He did it for us. He did all this for us. The Lord became a servant to the Jews. For their benefit, for their understanding, 
to fulfill all the promises, but he also did it for the Gentiles, which we are part of that. We were not part of the Jews, the, the people of God. We were Gentiles. We are out of that. So he did it for us too. And then he started going through a, a few verses from the Old Testament, and I, I read all of them. We are not going to go through it, but I read all of them. They are all songs of joy. David, Moses, when, uh, verse 10, 11, 12, Isaiah. When you read them, they are songs of joy. That they were already happy that this was going to happen later on when Jesus will come. The Gentiles also will be able to enjoy this mercy and this grace from the Lord. If you think about it, if we go all the way to Genesis, we will see, and all the way to today, we will see how his great and mercy, we can see it more and more getting greater and greater. It's not like God's mercy and grace is increasing because that doesn't happen in him. He is what it is, but we can see it. We can see it more and more. Go back to Genesis and the covenant he did with Adam and Eve. And then you have two people. Then you have Noah, which is just his family, close family. And then you have Abraham. Now it's the family and the slave or the people, the servants. And now you have Moses. It's a whole people, a whole nation. And now we have the whole world, all the nations. Now they are able to have this grace and this mercy and this love. And they have, they can reach to God. You see how it keeps growing and growing and get better and better? This is the way the Lord works with us. And this is how awesome he is. You know, the more I go through this, the more, the, the, the more I went through this when I was uh, studying this, the more the Lord keeps saying, hey, you, you got to check, check yourself, bro. You got to check your ego. You got to check your selfishness. You got to check everything about you because that's what is stopping sometimes to keep the unity in the church. You know what? You go out of this church and everything outside, not everything, but a lot of things outside is about the I and the me and the mine. Do you agree with that? Let me, let me read you some stuff that you will find outside, or even if you just open your cell phone or your computer. Have you heard about an iPhone, an iMac, an iPad, an iLife, an iWork, iCloud, iHeart, iTunes? How about me? The Me app, the We Me, the Me Beauty. The me we up, how about mine? My space, my apps, my fitness, my account, my playlist, my horse, my garden, my grocery, my finances, my town, my little princess game, my care. Everything's about the I, the me, and the mine. Everything is about it. And the Lord is telling you, you know what? No, it's not. Stop pleasing yourself. Look for your neighbor. Look for the good of your neighbor to please your neighbor. Verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So once again, we read about this hope, and just like we did before, you're going to need this hope. Put your eyes in this hope. But then the Lord say, may the God of hope. So yes, you should have hope, but you also have the God of hope. Before, you're going to need patience. But I give you the God of patience. The Lord is like just covering every single corner in order to keep the unity. So you can be okay with your brother. You're going to need encouragement. You're going to need patience. Keep the hope. Well, you know what? Good news for you and for me. We have the God of hope. We have the God of peace. We have the God of encouragement. We have the God of patience. Isn't that great? It's awesome. May the God of hope, he fill you up with joy and peace and believing. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound 
in hope. And this word abound, once again, is not just to give you something. This word in the original is periseo. And it's super abundant. It's the idea of that it's something excessive. It's more abundantly, very high, beyond measures. The super flows. So the Lord's not just going to give you the hope, just like, ah, oh, you have a little hope. No, he's going to give you hope. Right? You remember when he's talking about peace? That I'm going to give you peace that will just go beyond your understanding. You're not going to be able to understand all this peace. That's the way the Lord does things. He doesn't just give you little. I remember when I was a kid, and I think I shared this before. When my dad didn't have a job, the situation in Chile was terrible. I remember my dad being in the house for a very long time. He would try to, you know, sell things in the bus or in the corners. No, no money was coming in. Was the, during those days was the time that we ate the best. Our refrigerator always would be filled, filled up. We will have, we didn't have a pantry, but the area we would put our groceries will have abundantly in there. How is that possible? See, my dad wasn't working. Because the Lord delivered, and when he delivered, he doesn't do a little. He do it abundantly. He does it with peace. He does it with hope. He provides for us. Isn't that amazing? That's our God. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. That's our God. <sighs> Have you, oh no, I'm going to skip that part. I'm just too, like, in fire now. It's just, I love, I love, the, the, I love how God works. And sometimes we miss that part. Sometimes we miss it, how much the Lord gives us. Well, Paul's letters has one main purpose only. In Romans and in most of our letters, um, he, he acknowledged the problems that they have, and the, he tried to help them with some particular issues. But it, always the main point is to bring them to Jesus. It's always to keep the church united, focus on the Lord. Every time that you read a, a letter from Paul, that's the idea. I'm going to help you with some, you know, particular issues. I'm going to tell you what to do. But at the end of the day, just focus on the Lord. That's how you're going to keep the church united. That's how you guys can stay united. The Lord should be the center of everything they do, and we do. You know, what? the biggest problem of uh, today's church, obviously, as I say, is our pride. It's the people. It's our pride. It's not the Lord, obviously. It's our pride. It's our selfishness. It's that we just like ourselves too much. That's the thing. We don't want to give up. But also I believe as I was going through, I realized that we have a different problem too. Another problem is that we don't understand that we are one already. We are not trying. We are not separated. Try to be one. We are already one. And when you understand that we, you and me, my brother, my sister, and all of us, you're already part of me and I'm part of you because we are one body. The way that we walk is different. Because if I hurt you, I'm hurting myself, but I'm also hurting my brother here, and I'm hurting my brother there, and my sister, because we are all one. Do you see the difference? That when we understand that we are one, it's very different than when we think that we are separated people trying to be one. Very different. Let me show you a picture here. And then I'm going to ask you a question. This is Holly. This is her, uh, her grandfather. But this is Holly. Holly, I, don't, I think that she was 17, 18 years old right there. She's um, a girl at that moment uh, from the United States. She was born in California, speak English. Uh, she born um, in Garden Grove, broken family. Her mom had married many times. 
her, um, her idea of when she remembered her childhood is not a good childhood. Um, what else? What can I tell you about her? Um, she lived, she lived half time in Arizona and the rest of her life she grew up with her grandfather. And that's Holly. But you also have another guy. This is Gerardo. Yeah, Gerardo doesn't like pictures. So that's his hat. No, I have a picture of me. Okay, you can change. Yeah. That's Gerardo. He was probably, I don't know, 17, 18 years old. Gerardo's from Chile. He speaks Spanish. Well, it's Chilean Spanish, I should say, because it's not really Spanish. Um, he comes from a great family, but very poor when they were little. Her parents are still married. Um, great childhood, even though they were very poor. Great, great childhood. He always lived with her family, with, with his family. Um, totally different life uh, if you compare it with Holly. But in 2001, and I want you to remember this date, 2001, August 6, they start a relationship. This was a, a mission trip to Paraguay. We met there. I was already in Paraguay. She was coming from California, and we met there, and the story is pretty fun, but I'm not going to get onto that. This is August 6, 2001. One year later, they got married. There you go. 2006. No, it's 2002. Ooh, hopefully. Sorry. Holly's not here, right? No. Holly's not here. August 6, 2002, they got married. Two people from different places, very different, different backgrounds, different languages, different history, uh, stories, different opinions. Believe me, we have different opinions about almost everything. But they got married in August 6, 2002. And that's the day that they became one. Now, let me ask you a question. What was the day that Gerardo and Holly became one? The what? But together as a couple, as a marriage couple. August 6, 2002. That's right. That was the day where we become one. We came to the Lord. We, that's the courthouse, by the way. But because in Chile, we do a little different. Then after that, we went and we asked for the blessing of our Lord, and we make a covenant with, with each other and with the Lord, and the Lord bless us, and that's the day we become one. No longer anymore, Gerardo with one story and Holly with a different one, we became one. Now, it was rough. It was really rough. We didn't speak the language to start with, so you can imagine how the communication was. She learned to speak Spanish, and I learned to speak a little bit of English, and it got better with the time. Sometimes we got angry with each other, and almost live our life like we were not one. But you know what? Between those angry moments and these fights, it never changed the fact that we were one. That never changed. We were always one. Now, we didn't like to see it that way. Sometimes we will fight because we want to, you know, separate and kind of walk away from our own side. But it never changed the fact that we were one. And the church is the same idea. With the church, and I have some names here. This is the church. This is a, and I have a glue here that is called Jesus. Can you read it? And the church is the same thing. It happened very similar. I have Ben in here. I have some of you guys' name. So Ben came to Christ, and the Lord Jesus was his glue. He sealed him with his spirit. And he, I'm going to put this on here. Became part of the church. 
one with the church. Then Guillermo came to Christ, and he was born again too. And the Lord came and said, Guillermo is amazing. Welcome to the family. Now you are part of my kingdom. Be part of this church. And now he was part of the church too. And Gerardo came to Christ when he was 16. And the Lord says, Gerardo, oh man, you have no idea what I have for you. I'm going to take you far away. But I welcome to the family. Now you're part of the church. And see how we are one now? Holly, Richard, Mary, I have a lot of names here, but I'm not going to take too much time. And you can put your name on it. And every time that you become a Christian and you were born again, the Lord came and sealed you with his spirit. And now you're one. You're part of this church. You're not trying to become one with your brother and your sister. You are one. We are called to maintain the unity, not to create the unity. Look in Ephesians 4. Therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, this is, uh, yeah, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy, worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, we're not called to create unity. You're already one with your brother. We're called to maintain that unity. We are not separate people trying to be one. We are different people that are one already. And this changed the way that we think. And this changed the way that we behave with our brother and sister. Because if I have an issue, I want to reconcile with you. Because you are part of me and I'm part of you. We are part of a whole. Um, but you know what happens sometimes that, uh, in the church? We have our issues because we are different. So, I don't know. I cannot really read the names now. Here we go. So, Ben, that is part of the church, start having issues with Gerardo and start like uh, trying to be separate, right? It's like, I don't like you. you know, like, uh, your food wasn't good the last time that we... And maybe Guillermo started, I don't know, gossiping about Holly. And it's like, you know what? I heard that something. They tried to separate. And maybe, I don't know, who else? Uh, Jason is like, you know what? Gerardo, I don't like how he sings. So he started, and we're having issues. And we keep pulling apart. But every time we pull apart, this is what happens. It's funny in the paper, but it's not funny when we're talking about real people. And in the church, this is what happened. We get hurt. And because I have an issue with him, you also get hurt because you're part of it. You're part of the church. And also my pastor get hurt. And so we're called to maintain the unity. You know, CCOT is an amazing church, and I hope you agree with it. I haven't seen, I haven't seen major issues in our church. I haven't seen major issues, but I have seen some small issues. And I'm thankful that we have people that are mature enough to go and say, I'm sorry. People that say, you know what, I was wrong. And that's what we're called to do, to maintain the unity. But also, we need to be in guard. We need to be in guard, because maybe now... Everything is cool, but we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Any of us could be part of that. Maybe two people are having issues, and I just hear something, and I just make it bigger over here, and now I'm part of that mess just because I wasn't able to keep quiet or do what is right, go and pray with them or reconcile them. To keep the unity is not easy because we always want to, you know, show ourselves, right? But they always say, no, no. 
Stop pleasing yourself. Please your brother for what is good. And they're, um, and they're, forgot the word. And to build them up. There is something that the Lord did before he died. He was about to leave, and he had these 12 guys, very different. Well, 11, probably at that point. I don't know at what point one of them took off. But no, here there were the 12. See where the 12 are there. 12 guys, very different. Different professions, different cultures, different attitudes, different personalities and characters. And um, he did something after they have what we call communion, common union. They call it the Last Supper. That's the way we know it. He got on his knees. He got on his knees and washed their feet. Now, I want you to think about this idea. You have 12 guys that are the weak ones. And you have one man that is the stronger one. The stronger guy, which is our Lord Jesus, got on his knees and he started washing the feet of the other 12 guys that were there. He starts serving them. How is it possible that this strong guy, the only strong guy that was there, got on his feet and his knees, I'm sorry, and started washing and serving the weak ones? And even more, what he did after, what he does, what he do, what he did after that, to go to that cross and die for each one of them, and for you and for me. That's what we should be doing: serving one another. That's what we're being called to do: serve one another. You know, we can fight all we want here. We can just stand on our ground and say, you know, this is my right and I'm correct, so I'm gonna fight it. But I'll tell you one thing. The legal status of the church is united. We are a united church. So if we are fighting today and you have an issue with your brother and your sister, if we all die right now and we show up in heaven, guess how we're going to be? We're going to be united. You like it or not, you're going to be united because the legal status of the church is united. So we may have an issue here and you may have an issue with your brother and your sister or with the other churches, you know, the Baptists, the Presbyterian, but if we all die here and we show up in heaven, we're all going to be together. That's, that's the lead. We already won. And especially nowadays, when all this world is so divided, I think that you agree with me that the world is divided, because I don't even have to hear the news here in the United States. If I listen to the news in my country or in South America, all the countries are going south. It's terrible. A lot of division. So it's a, it's a Greater reason why the church should stay united. Because the church, if the church doesn't stay united, then what can I expect from the people that doesn't have the glue with this Jesus Christ? We had to, we had to maintain the, uni, uh, the union. Let's watch everything that our master did for us. Let's remember that serving and loving each other is key to maintain unity. Let us make our Lord an, an example, remembering what he did for us. The greatest act of love, giving himself for us. The strongest now in the cross, but also keeping our eyes on the hope that comes with all that. Don't forget that all this is going to pass, okay? We have a, something much greater than that. This argument that we may have, this difference, is nothing for what is waiting for us. Uh, let me go back. and I, I wanted to read something to you because that verse, I love it. I said I was going to skip it, and I didn't skip it. First Corinthians 2. I don't know if I give you that one. First Corinthians 2. I don't remember if I actually give it to you. But it says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of men imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. 
I like when it says, no heart of man imagine. We cannot even grasp what we have after this. You can try. You can try. And you can try, as the song goes. But you will never be able to, to, to imagine, to put the picture in your head, the hope that we have on the other side. It's amazing. Let's, let's, let's stop arguing with each other and then just, you know, having these small issues. We, we, we have to come to the Lord. The world needs the Lord. And so we, for whatever reason, you ever have an issue with your brother, just go to the Lord first and then go and just reconcile with your brother. We are called to maintain the unity. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, because you are so good to us. And you are so, so patient, Lord. We are thankful for what you do. We are thankful, Lord, because you love us so much that you came for us. Empty yourself, become nothing just for me. Just for me, Lord. Lord, you give yourself away for me. You took the pain for me. I'm thankful, Lord, that, that you can remind us how important it is to go back to you every time. And that you are the glue, Lord, that we need to keep together our marriages, our relationship with our brothers, with our children. We need you so much, Lord, for everything. So I pray, Lord, that you can help us to see this every day, to walk with you every day more and more, to get to know you more and more, to depend on you more and more, knowing that when you deliver, you will deliver abundantly, Lord. Thank you so much for that, for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to finish with something different this time. So I want you to hear what the Lord prayed before he left. He prayed for his disciples and he prayed for you and for us, for me. And so I want you to get comfortable. If you need to sit down, it's going to be about a two-minute prayer. But I want you to close your eyes. And this is what the Lord, this is the Lord's prayer. This is what he prayed for you and for me. Because he knew that in this world we're still going to have difference. not going to be easy. And he knew the importance of staying united. So close your eyes and listen to this beautiful prayer from our Lord to us, for us. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom have you've given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you've given me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. 
I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that scripture may be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you've sent me into this world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask these for only these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you've sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you've loved me may be in them and I in them. Amen. We have an amazing God. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week and share the gospel with someone. The Lord bless you.